Amen. All right. Well, uh, there's no way to transition to this. So (laughs) here's what we're doing today with our remaining few minutes. We are going to wrap up the story of Revelation. Uh, And if you're new here, we normally take a text in the Bible and work through it every week. And we're going to begin, we're going to take that up in just a couple weeks. Um, But today, our last Sunday in the text of Revelation, uh, I wanted to try to summarize this story that should live on in our hearts. I don't think it's any accident that it just so happens we happen to be going through Revelation and the Lord stirs up Vince and Christie in this particular direction as we sing and as we read about the singing of the, the, the multitude around the throne. And, and so I, I believe this. Vince and Christie, in a sense, are responding to the book of Revelation. The question before all of us is this. How will Revelation change us? How will we be different having encountered this book? Because if if we simply take in the book and say, oh, that's nice, I'm glad one day there'll be no more tears or cancer, we've missed the call of Revelation. So what we're going to do in our few minutes right here is we're going to summarize, I'm going to attempt to do the impossible and summarize the story of Revelation that we've heard the last many months and then at the end, very briefly, give an, an applicatory encouragement in light of that. I'm going to read, in a sense, retell our story, the story of God's people, your story, if you are in Christ. And I'm going to go chapter by chapter, section by section. I'm going to, again, this is a summary. You'll see where I'm at on the screen behind me. And let me just say, um, as I wrote this this week, very aware That in a sense, this is the close of a season that began in March 2020. And I believe really in a, in, a, in a unique way, God is turning the page in our church. And so, if I could say this, I, I dedicate this to the seven brothers and sisters we lost from 2020 to 2022. Their names are Zester, Richard, Lydia, Bill, Molly. Maggie, and Rick. Let's begin. Revelation 1 to 3. Listen, see, behold, hear these words and keep them. Hear the one who was and who is and who is to come. He, the first word that spoke the stars and the final word that ends all worlds. He, the living word, breathed out. The carpenter from Galilee, the wretched on the tree, behold him now. In the midst of his churches, he stands, now unveiled, now unfiltered, now shining with the light of a thousand suns, crowned above all, glorious above all. His eyes are fire, his voice is thunder, his sword is ready. He is the undead king, the keeper of Hades' keys. Listen to him, to those suffering unseen. Know that he walks with you. To those persecuted, know that he notes and will avenge. To those tempted, know that he offers 
better. To those wandering, know that he's a shelter and his door is open to any who would return. To all his church, he cries, endure, look beyond, rise and conquer. Revelation 4 and 5. Behold now the throne at the center of the universe. Below, the world rages like a storming sea, tossing, turning, destroying, defiling. But here, at the throne, the sea is all stillness and glass. Every jewel shining in radiance, every sunset lighting the sky, every rainbow, every star in every sky, from every world in every galaxy, every glory in creation, they all shine out more perfectly and fully from the one seated on the throne. Wrapped in the radiance of creation as a garment, glory that shines deeper and brighter than can be named. All creation cries out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Glory, power, majesty, infinity collide in his presence. And behold now, the purposes of God for blessing and judgment wrapped in a scroll The end must come. Justice must be done. Captives must be rescued. Evil must be avenged. The vulnerable must be protected. But none in all heaven and earth were sufficient to open the scrolls and execute the purposes of God. Who is sufficient for these things? But behold the one approaching. See him now, the tree of David walking, the lion of Judah growling, and yet he comes as a lamb. He bears the scars of his sacrifice. He, the one glorious above all, made lowest of all. He, the perfect lamb, traded for the sins of his people. He, the seed falling into the ground, has sprung out in new life and a new people. He takes the scroll. And all heaven roars in joy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. He has ransomed captives. He has gathered a people. He has built a kingdom. And he shall reign forever. Revelation 6 through 11. Behold now the scrolls unrolling for blessing and judgment. The furious wrath of God is unleashed. Death and destruction riding out into the world, the earth yawning open in fire, the skies rolled up and falling, the mountains unmade, yet the torrent of God's wrath has a target. Injustice and evil cry out for judgment. Children beaten in their homes cry out for it. Knives in the dark cry out for it. Wedding rings hidden in a bar cry out for it. Racist epithets flung at children fly cry out for it. Bullets fired tearing into the innocent cry out for it. Across the world, the sin of sickness and injustice and evil, a cancer spreading into every corner of the world cries out for it. And so justice resounds. But amidst the roaring seas and raging wrath, behold now a people preserved. They are pressed on every side, yet do not break. They are thrown in jail, yet free. They are crushed, yet 
rise again. They are robbed, yet give freely. They are killed, yet cannot die. Because amidst this people of the cross, the king walks among them, holding them up, breathing into their words, fanning courage into flame in their hearts. And the king's people triumph. They follow the king to the cross. They follow him to new life and resurrection. They are ground into the dirt only to rise with the sun. And more are gathered. And more and still more. Behold now the multitude. Every language whispered among them, every shade of melanin in glorious design, every flag they flew in life traded for a better one, every garment one of glorious and impossible white, every one having washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, everyone calling for the King to finally and fully triumph. How long, O Lord? Revelation 12. Behold now. The war beneath all wars. A serpent slinking in the grass through the first garden. A servant of the heavenly court turned rebel. A whispered word to Adam and Eve, turning them against the king. Slinking through the world since then, devouring, deceiving, destroying. A serpent turned into a hulking dragon now. Jaws snapping, tail whipping, waiting for a woman to give birth. Waiting to take the throne this child should sit on. And the people of God who have groaned long now awaiting the son of David and the king of Israel, like a woman groaning for her pain to cease and the child to be born. And then the son is born. The dragon lunges, but the child is now a man. The man is now a king. The king now ascends, and the dragon's jaws snap at nothing. So the dragon rages. He turns to the woman and lunges again, but the woman escapes. God's people are preserved. God's king is now enthroned. God's enemy is angered and breathing out in fury and revenge. Revelation 12 to 18. Behold now the dragon raising an army. The dragon forms a beast, great and terrible. The beast carries the power and authority of every sword and every palace and every throne. And he brings his sword and laws to bear against the people of God. Every ruler and official believing they sit on the throne while behind them flies the flag of the dragon. The dragon forms a false prophet, slick and smiling. The prophet sways crowds and countries. The words are different. The religions are multitude. The spiritualities are tailor-made. But the result is the same. The people carry the mark of the beast and the dragon and rejoice. The dragon allies with the woman of the world. She is the story and the screen, the newspaper and the slick magazine, the high culture of galleries, the low culture of back alleys. She offers pleasure and ease, hidden delights, notoriety, acceptance, celebration. She promises each one their own personal throne. But underneath each palace of the beast are a pile of bones Just behind the altar of the false prophet are skulls. In every room of illicit pleasure, the woman hides bodies under the beds. How long until all God's people are gathered? How long until the purposes of God are fulfilled? But finally, 
The answer comes now. Revelation 19. Behold, now the rider on the white horse has come to judge and make war. He with eyes of fire, he crowned with every crown, he with the blood of his enemies on his robe, he of, uh, with every tribe and tongue following, he, his people, the conquerors, all clothed in white, he is the king of kings, the true king on David's throne, the walker of waves, the silencer of demons, the humble and mounted on a donkey, the warrior on a war horse. The king has come to reclaim every square inch of creation. He is the Lord of lords, the ruler of ocean depths and galaxy edges, the master of death and the dead, the Lord above every angel and power in the heavens. The Lord has come to destroy and save. So the armies of the dragon gather from every corner of the earth, and the people of the Lamb gather to meet them. The flag of the dragon unfurls across an army of snarling, vicious foes that are as numerous as the sands of the sea, but the emblem of the Lion of Judah shines on every sword and shield of the king, his people as numerous as the stars in Abraham's sky. The dragon roars, but the lion of Judah roars back. The clash of battle rings out into eternity for one long instant, and then the fire of heaven falls, and then the lion speaks and slays, and then it is over before it began. The powerful beast is laid powerless. The slick deceiver is exposed. The rich woman of the world is bankrupt. And as the army of evil and injustice litters the battlefield, the vultures circle overhead. Revelation 20. Behold now, the judgment throne of God. The skies are rolled up. The ground is flattened. The stars fall. And every peasant and king gathers now, every soldier and coward. The throne at the center of the universe now calls every soul before it. And books are opened for each one. Every deed, every word, every thought, every secret, every hidden sin, every private hurt, every unpunished crime... And before the throne, each only receive what they deserve. Only the guilty are sentenced to judgment. Only rebels to God's kingdom are cut off from it. Only haters of God are sent away. And all tremble as eternity stretches out before them as a lake of fire. But then the book of life is open. And while the books of deeds would leave it empty, the book of life is full. And next to each name is handwritten mine and signed by the king. His deeds for theirs. His death for theirs. His life for theirs. And the divining line of eternity is the lamb who unrolls the scrolls of blessing and judgment. And the books close. And eternity is sealed in death. Sickle in its hand, its work done, stands before the king. 
And the lion roars one final time and casts death itself into the lake of fire. Revelation 21. Behold now the city of the Lamb. It descends from the heavens in radiance. Its beauty is that of a bride walking the aisle to her husband. Its streets full of the redeemed, shining with the joy of reunion. The lion who became a king, who became a lamb, who became a warrior, is now a husband holding his arms open wide. And the tears of joy falling on the face of the bride wash away every tear of sorrow she ever cried. And around the city, a voice cries, Behold, I am making all things new. The pure light of the first day shines out into the darkness. The earth renewed rises into mountains and canyons. The heavens renewed rejoice as galaxies and wonders spin out above. The groaning of creation turns to joy as seeds and trees flourish. And the city of the Lamb shines at the center of this renewed world. Every street, every arch, every tower crafted and designed in the sketchbook of the king himself. And the hundred languages rippling out into the street together are one song. Their bodies, once feeble, are now made strong. Their frames, once wounded, are now made whole. And the presence of God, once hidden behind thick curtains and walls, now breathes out into the city. Here there are no thorns or scars or death anymore. There is no blood crying up from the ground. There are no things skulking in the night. There are no funerals or gravestones. There are no doctors or broken bodies. There is no loneliness or anguish. The past is healed. The present is shalom. The future is brightness. And behold now, the center of the city. There is a river and a tree. The tree of life once withered is now renewed. The seas once raging are a cool and clear stream of life. And where the river and the tree meet, there stands the Lord God Almighty Himself and His people. See his face. Revelation 22. Listen, see, behold, hear these words and keep them. Right now counts forever. 
Will you enter the city of the Lamb or stand outside in judgment and loss? Oh, church, hear the voice of the lion who is the Lamb. Stand strong when the beast rages against you. For when you endure, you conquer for eternity. Watch carefully where the false prophet deceives you. Hold fast to what is true, and it is true for eternity. Reject firmly when the world seduces you. What you lose in this life is gain in eternity. Come, come to the Lamb today. Revelation 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Church, let's stand and sing. All right, take a seat just for a minute. It's only going to take a couple minutes, but we'll leave the band up here. Um, here's what we're going to do. I just want to briefly highlight the very end of that reading where we read the actual text of Scripture today. Uh, the, the call of revelation at the end does not allow anyone to simply hear and go, oh, that's interesting, and walk away. It, it's not meant to allow us to go, oh, well, that's good that I've got some kind of eternal fire insurance, and walk away. The, the end of Revelation, if I could sum it up like this, is this. Three times at the end of Revelation, you read, you hear this. Jesus says in verse 7, behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse 12, behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. And then in the middle of it is that appeal in verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. So, so the end of Revelation basically says this, Jesus is coming soon. So you, Christian, come to him in obedience now. Keep the words of the book. That's the charge, not just to hear them, but to hear and then keep them. And I think that the two emphases there are, are, are that Jesus is coming soon imminently and Jesus is coming soon suddenly. The, the language carries both of those things, meaning this. You might be tempted to go, well, listen, the stuff in Revelation, I mean, it, it happened 2,000 years ago, so how soon is soon? Listen, I don't think those of us, those of us in El Paso can say anything because how many times have you said, man, I'm coming over right now, like to your cousin's house? Like, when are you coming? I'm, com I'm coming right now, man. Which, and if you're not from El Paso, it means anytime between like 10 a.m. and 10 p.m., right? 
So we don't get to like say, I want, that's not. But scripture says a day, a thousand years is as a day to the Lord, right? Meaning this, Jesus says, this is the last age, right? This is the, this is the time of imminent return, which is why it's repeated. And I believe God's people, we're called to live with the imminence of Jesus' return. I don't know if you guys remember, you know, it, we grew up in the, the charismatic era. I grew up in the charismatic era. And there was always somebody who was like, hey, it's, it's going to be in five years. It's going to be in two years. Uh, I found a pamphlet one time that was like the 88 reasons Jesus is going to return in 1988. Does anybody get that pamphlet? I know somebody had that pamphlet. Right, where you're tempted to go, okay, well, that's not helpful, so let's just kind of forget about the imminent return of Christ. No, that's the opposite. Scripture calls us to do two things. One, don't pretend you know the day or the hour, because Jesus literally said no one knows the day or the hour, so stop it. So if you're about to get hit publish on a blog where you're like, I've got it, don't do that. But we are called to live with the imminence of the return of Christ bearing down on us. What if he returns next year, church? What if he returns at five? We don't know. You don't know even how much time you have here. May we live with the imminence of his return. And then the other thing is the suddenness of his return. G.K. Beale points out that the language is like he's going to come soon, meaning like quickly. Uh, And Jesus said, yeah, I'm going to come like a thief in the night. Some people are having flashbacks to movies they watched back in the 80s, right? He's going to come like that, meaning this. There will not be time to go, well, I'm going to get my marriage in order now that I know Jesus is coming back. I'm going to get my life in order. I'm going to stop this porn addiction now that I know Jesus is coming back. No, the imminence, the suddenness of his return should mark us. And the call is this. How will revelation lay its claim on your life? And I think there's no better illustration of that answer to that question than Vincent Christie and Levi going to Prague. How does that make sense by any worldly standard, right? Got to see Heidi and Val, and they're, they're, gonna, they're here in the States. Their extended family are here in the States. The church family they love are here, and yet they're going, you know what? There's more people to be gathered for that multitude. And one of, the t- one of those tongues is check. So let's go get them. Church, how will Revelation lay its claim on your life? Do not let this book end without you going before the Lord and saying, if that is true, if all that we just said is true, how does it change the way I live? Are there people here that are called to be missionaries like Vincent Christie? Great. Who's next? Are people here called to, to pursue ministry or plant churches or, or serve people in remarkable ways or make a gigantic world kind of stands in awe sacrifices? Maybe. But I do know this. The revelation lays its claim on every single one of us. And as Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon, the response of the church should be, amen, come Lord Jesus, because we're living in such a way that we're going for broke. All of our chips are in. That's it. It's all in. And when you live that way, oh, the return of Christ, the response is, when Jesus says, I'm coming soon, the church's response is, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So let's stand. We're going to sing one final song. 
And I'm going to sing. We're going we're gonna to say the end of Revelation right now before we get into this song. The call from the, the risen Christ is, surely I am coming soon. And the church's response is, amen, come Lord Jesus. So let's do that now. Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. And the church says, amen, come Lord Jesus. Amen.